This is episode number 69 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute and Fearless Presentations. And this is the podcast that helps people just like you become confident and poised presenters and tap into your leadership potential. This is podcast number 69, and we are continuing our series on how to start a public speaking career. Now, last week, we talked about ways to use public speaking as marketing for your current industry. And then in this episode, I'm going to show you how to to take a shortcut to a professional speaking career by working with an established presentation company. Should be some really good information if you've ever wanted to get into a public speaking career and you just just really don't know how to. This is a good way to, to get started. Now, the podcast is brought to you by Fearless Presentations. Now, the the content that we're going to cover in this session is going to be fairly lengthy because I and by the way, just so you know, I I trimmed it down because there's just a ton of content that we could cover in this particular session. Uh, In addition to what's in the podcast notes, if you go to fearlesspresentations.com and search for the podcast, um, I'm going to cover quite a bit more on this session than than even what's in the notes. Um, So in order to do that, let me just kind of tell you quickly about some of the classes that we have coming up. So if you're interested in attending one of the Fearless Presentations classes, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com and really check out our schedule. But we've got classes coming up in Columbus, Houston, Minneapolis, Baltimore, St. Louis, Charlotte, San Francisco, and Orlando. Those are all coming up in the next like four or five weeks or so. Uh, just as an FYI, we previously closed the Houston class that's coming up in a couple of weeks because it was it was just totally full and it's, it's actually been full for for quite a while. But we actually opened up a second class and that second class is now almost full as well. So if you are registered for the Houston class that's coming up or if you're wanting to register for the Houston class, Make sure and double check the the location because since there's going to be two classes, you want to make sure that you get to the right location for your your specific class anyway. So double check uh, fearlesspresentations.com if you're interested in any of those classes or if I didn't call your city, if you live in a city that's that's um, not close to one of those that I just mentioned, go to fearlesspresentations.com, check out the schedule and you'll find one somewhere in the in the general vicinity of where you are for in, in most instances. So let's get on with today's podcast. So the, the title of today's episode is How to Become a Certified Speaker for an Established Presentation Company. So this is a continuation of our series on how to start a public speaking career. And in this session, I'm going to show you a shortcut that you can use to get into the speaking industry by working for an organization that that's really already established. So. And, and by the way, it's, a, it's a, this is a faster way, an easier way to to get into a speaking career. But there's some significant advantages and some significant disadvantages. So I'm going to cover some of these advantages, some of the disadvantages. I'm also also going to give you a real step by step approach that you can use if you want to work for one of these companies that will help you kind of get your foot in the door. So. So lots of good information here. Um, it, it, let, let's kind of first start about start 
talking about anyway, the advantages of working for one of these companies. Now, since this is the way that my company, the Leaders Institute, attracts some of the uh, really high quality speakers in the industry, um, I, I, I'm kind of an expert on this particular topic. That's why I'm kind of going into more detail on this one than some of the other sessions that, that, we're, that we have in the series. Um, but, you know, like, for instance, I, can, I remember the very first time that I had a high level speaker contact me and say that they wanted to work for my company. Um, this guy was the guy who called me. This was back in, oh, man, this is a decade and a half ago now. So I think it was around 2003 or so. And at the time, I was just struggling to stay in business. I mean, the Leaders Institute was still brand new. I was struggling to to really create that brand and and create the presence. And and I was I was busy. I was extremely busy. I wasn't making a ton of money yet. What didn't have a ton of success, but the word was really starting to spread. And so I was kind of being pulled pretty pretty thin. So I, I at the time I was teaching classes in here in Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth, um, also Houston, which is you know the first place that I kind of expanded into. But I was also teaching classes in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles and maybe a couple of other cities at the time. But that was kind of the major cities that that I was working in. So if I was doing a, a couple of classes a month, that meant that I was traveling to you know one of these big cities and spending sometimes as much as a week out of the out of uh, away from home in order to to teach the classes and that kind of thing so so i was I was pretty exhausted i was I was kind of burning the burning the candle at both ends, so to speak, and all of a sudden I got a phone call out of the blue and uh, it was it was interesting because the the guy who called me was a psychologist from Orlando. And he was looking for a contract position as a as a speaker, and um, so I you know I kind of talked to him a little bit and and asked him a few questions and and the, the he kind of gave me his background. His background was he started out as as a psychologist, built a a pretty good psychology practice, ended up building it to a point where he sold it and actually made a significant you know nest egg from the sale of that that business and and. And his second career was doing consulting with a woman who owned a consulting company. So he helped her build that company up. She sold it. He he got a piece of that as well. So so every time he's built and sold these these companies, he's he's kind of creating a, a nice little nest egg for himself. The third the third company that he that he built was actually an art business, and and he wasn't actually an expert in art, but his sister was. And so since he'd already built and sold a couple of companies, she brought him on. They ended up building that that organization as well, and so. So uh, by the time that he was, my guess would be about 50 when he when he called me, he had already built and sold three companies. And so he wasn't really looking for a career. He wasn't looking for a full time job. He was basically looking for a position where he could make a little bit of income so he wouldn't have to tap into that nest egg. You know, he had this nice little retirement saved up and he didn't want to tap into it too early because he was afraid it might might, you know, dwindle over time. So, so it was perfect. It was it was a great what I call a win-win-win situation for us because um, he was a fantastic instructor for me and was for, you know, four or five years or so before he fully retired. But um, in, in addition to that, the what, because I was able to kind of teach him what I was doing and certify him as a, as a trainer for my classes, it helped me teach my programs to more people in, in different areas. So since he was in Florida, he was basically covering the entire almost East Coast in the beginning, eventually the, the Southeast. So he basically taught classes for me from Atlanta all the way down to, to Miami. 
did that for 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 quite a while and never had to really tap into his nest egg. So the the um, the my clients got the benefit of his wisdom, his experience. I got the benefit of of being able to save some time, you know, my my time, which I was kind of burned the band, uh, the candle at both ends. And then in addition to that, you know, he got income that kept him from having to tap into that that nest egg. And since it worked so well with him, I started bringing on new instructors from from different areas. You know, since I since I got really good at training other instructors, it became kind of the go-to way for me to to um, expand my company was to hire contract instructors from the outside, people who are, who had their own careers, who didn't necessarily need a, a huge salary, um, and that, that we could call on on an as-needed basis. And it worked out really well for about the first decade or so uh, that I was that I was running the company. Um, the the so the advantage to being a contract instructor, especially for one of these companies, is that you have a lot more freedom. It's a shortcut to get into the speaking industry. You don't necessarily have a lot have to have a lot of speaking in, uh, speaking experience. They can um, a lot of times these companies will train you. And in fact, um, uh, you know, it, a lot of the the a lot of the companies like mine that hire folks from the outside because we're we're able to to um, train folks when they when they come into the industry, it makes it a little bit easier for folks to get their foot in the door. Now, just so you know, if you're not getting that training, there might be something wrong. Just so you, just so you know, that's one of those things that that's a telltale sign when 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 folks are looking for help, they want you to they want you to teach their stuff, but they don't want to really want to train you how to do how to teach their stuff. That that might be a, a big red flag to what's going on, and that kind of leads us into some of the disadvantages. So, some of the disadvantages um, of working for an established training company is that sometimes they may require you to purchase their certifications or purchase a license from them. Now, that's not necessarily a, a, a disadvantage; it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can become one. <laughs> I give you a good example of this um, back in. The Franklin Covey organization is a is a fantastic example because in the in the 1990s, Stephen Covey, I think it was back in 1987, I guess, when when Stephen Covey wrote the book, um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it, it was a big hit. And he went he had a lot of speaking gigs. He had a lot of big companies that hired him to come in and speak at the, at their organizations. And it was working so well that he decided to start a train the trainer program where he was training people to teach his stuff. But there wasn't a whole lot of quality control on it. And and in fact, I mean, I'd never got this certification, so I'm not an expert on this, but I do kind of know what happened in the industry because I I met a lot of people who had attended some of these training sessions by the that were put on by some of these trainers that the the, that his organization trained. And it it kind of kept it left a bad taste in people's mouth about the, the content. And in fact, uh, by the end of the 90s, I guess, if you if you kind of mentioned Stephen Covey training, all of a sudden people just kind of rolled their eyes and they groaned. It was it was one of those things that that I, I believe if, if I remember right, that the certification was only a couple of days. I think you could go and and train on a weekend, you know, go on a Friday and then get your certification by Sunday, that kind of thing. So. What was happening was the, the the in the next few years the the market was just really flooded with amateur speakers spreading the word about Covey. Now, luckily, he was smart enough to sell out, but he, he sold his 
content to the Franklin Planner Organization, and that's why it's it's now called Franklin Covey. And um, and the Franklin Organization actually bought his content as a way to try to boost their their revenue. They just assumed that since he was teaching ways to to um, um, kind of organize people's time more effectively, if the, if they were to get, going to use a Franklin Planner to do it, that would be helpful. So they they thought there was a really good tie in, but I don't think they realized how 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 soiled the name had actually become in the couple of years prior to them purchasing that 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 name. So the um the, you know pretty much that I, I think within a, a couple of years of the time that the the two companies merged the franklin and covey organizations merged together i think the stock went down to like a dollar a share i mean it, it recovered eventually but it was a decade or more before before they were able to to recover and it was because they did things totally different than than what was going on back then so it was just got to keep that in mind a lot of those people who invested in that certification they 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 did it because they thought that if they became a certified Covey instructor, they were going to be able to make income by doing that. But in reality, it was it was kind of worse, worthless. The, the the name was so soiled that people stopped paying for the for the training, and and it was a really challenging kind of thing for a lot of those folks. Similar thing happened with Anthony Robbins, um, his first franchisees, when he after he had he had become you know a multi gazillionaire doing his training and had the the um, CD packs that you could buy off of um, off of the the infomercials and stuff like that that were you know a thousand bucks whatever they were back then uh, he he had made a, a pretty significant he, he had built up a pretty significant company and so um, his his idea was to franchise this to, was to bring on people that would promote the Anthony Robbins stuff but the the challenge that they had was that they were the franchisees were coming in thinking that they were going to be professional speakers. But in reality, what he was really training them to do was to sell him. You know, they they wanted he wanted them to go out and fill fill um, auditoriums with folks that would be watching him live or watching him on video live, like a live recording. And this was back way before YouTube or any of that kind of stuff. So eventually it, it, it ended up in a, in a big lawsuit. A lot of those franchisees ended up, ended up suing him and, and I'm sure it, it, it all kind of worked out, but uh, because, you know, the Robbins organization is huge now and they've done all kinds of really good things, but it was, if you were one of those first investors in the franchise, you, you probably lost a lot of money. Um, Probably a much better value now, but back then can be a challenge. So keep that in mind when you're, if you're going to be investing in some type of certification or some type of of license to teach a program, you really want to do some research up front. Kind of talk to somebody who's already done that <laughs> and seen, you know, get, you know, it's it. You really want to look for the fruit on the tree. Are the the folks who have invested in that certification are they have they actually increased their income or are they really struggling? And that, that can really help. Um, the and by the way, the the major disadvantage in addition to the the risk that's involved in in purchasing or licensing a a um, a, a, a certification of some type. One of the the major disadvantages for hitching your wagon to another company, though, is that in many cases, you're kind of captive through that company. So even if you're able to make income and you're able to kind of create a career there, um, you're kind of attached to that particular company. You'll likely be required to sign a non-compete agreement and or a non-disclosure agreement 
for with the company that's that's bringing you on and certifying you. So if you if you ever want to jump ship and start your own company, it might be much harder to do <laughs> than what you might think. Even if you create your own content from scratch, even if you find your own clients, there's always a possibility that your former employer will will file a lawsuit against you. Um, and I, I give you a good example of this. When I when I left, I, I kind of mentioned on one of the earlier sessions that I I, I started out with the Dale Carnegie organization. Fantastic company, by the way. They're they're some of the best trainers in 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 the world. Not not just in the industry, but but in the world. And um, and and since it was a leadership training company, uh, when I when I left that organization to start my company, I kind of knew leadership. That was what I wanted to do. And leadership's a huge genre, you know. So it wasn't like I was I was trying to compete with them. In fact, I created my stuff from scratch, totally from scratch. I didn't use anything anywhere closely related to what they were doing. I was very, very careful. Didn't call on any clients that I worked with when I was, when I was working with Carnegie. I didn't, uh, I didn't. Um, so basically what was happening is I had, since I had to start over from scratch, I, I had to, I had, had uh, meticulously created this network while I was working with Carnegie of influencers in the Dallas Fort Worth area where 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 I lived, and I couldn't I couldn't rely on that network at all. I had to basically go out, go out from scratch and start over and develop a brand new network. So I couldn't really use the all that work that I had done in in the previous years, and it was hard. It was that's a really really hard way to to make a living. Now even though I did that. Uh, because I was still in the same genre of training, of, of leadership training, of what they were, the franchise owner, the guy who I worked for, when he when he found out that I was doing a leadership company, he just naturally assumed that I'd taken his stuff and was using. He just naturally assumed that I was calling on his customers, and which I didn't. And that's really the only thing that saved me because, you know, basically at that point I had to hire an attorney to to um, to kind of um, negotiate on my behalf and stuff like that. And the only way that I kept the the by the way when he found out he, my franchise owner by the, the franchise owner by the way when he found out he went ballistic. He was he he kind of went a little nutso and rightly so. Cause if I had been doing that stuff, then, you know, I would have deserved it. But the only way I got out of it was that my attorney had to actually send him over my manual, the stuff that was like my confidential stuff, my trade secrets. He had to send that over to the guy that I used to work for so that he, so that he could see this is totally different stuff. It's not even in the same, I wasn't teaching anywhere close to the same thing that, that they were teaching. And so it, and, but still it, it left bad blood. So even if you're doing everything right, it can still cause problems for you when, when you want to leave. So just kind of keep that in mind. If you're going to work for one of these established companies, there, um, it, if you ever decide to leave, it can cause some hard feelings without you even meaning to. So just kind of keep that in mind. So with all that being said, you got the advantages and disadvantages. Let me kind of give you the, the quick step-by-step things that you can do if you want to work for one of these established companies. Now, just so you know, I've trained and I've hired over a hundred different professional speakers. I've trained over a hundred different professional speakers in my career. And and just so you know, none of them ever replied to a job posting that I made. You know, I didn't go on to monster.com or, or indeed or any of that kind of stuff saying, Oh, Hey, I need a, I need a professional speaker to, to train for me. Not a single one of those hundred people ever did that. And the reason why is because 
that's not the way you get, a, get into a career like this. There's no way that 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 well, most most organizations aren't going to do that. So if you if you find a posting on one of those organizations, it might be a little fishy. You know, that might be one of those things that can be a little challenging, uh, challenging. So um, step number one is if you want to work for one of these companies, start with Google and LinkedIn. Do a little bit of research. So the these positions that you're looking for, they are totally not common. They're very rare. There's not that many of them. So if you happen to find the solic solicitation for one, you probably don't want that position. I mean, you can it's one of those things that um, if they have to post for it, it's probably not going to be that lucrative. So uh, just kind of keep that in mind. Um, when you start your research using either Google or LinkedIn, you can use either or both. Um, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is just to type in the the type of organization that you want to work for. And and whatever the whatever the genre of training is, or whatever the the genre of speaking is that that you want to 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 do as a career, just type that into Google with the word company, and then put the city that you're in. You know, so like for instance, if somebody wanted to work for my company, wanted to work for Fearless Presentations, they might put in Public Speaking Training Company, Dallas, Texas. Now, if they type that in, by the way, if you type in all that stuff, you type in the the genre plus the, the word company plus the location, there's a good chance that you're going to get a bunch of job postings first when hitting the in the, the Google search results. The first, you know, four, five, six, seven or so are going to be job posting results. You'll see Indeed and LinkedIn, maybe, I don't know, but a bunch of the job posting organizations, skip those entirely. Those are those are a waste of time, most likely. Now, you might find something in there, but for the most part, my guess would be that those are, are going to be a complete waste of time for you. But if you if you typed in that phrase, though, the public speaking training company, Dallas, Texas, then after you get through all the Indeeds and all that kind of stuff, the first listing there that shows up in the natural organic search engine is Fearless Presentations, the company that, you know, lo and behold, that's the company that I own. We're here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We are a public speaking training company. We're one of the biggest in the world. So we're going to come up and, and, you know, high in those search engine results. Um, and by the way, I did a similar search for for just a different genre, just, just, just to kind of show you that it works and other things as well. And I think I typed in, uh, but, but I typed in, uh, uh, let's say I want to teach internet marketing. So I did a, a similar search with internet marketing training company, Dallas, Texas. And I think it was about the third listing down was an organization that has three upcoming seminars in internet marketing. And they're three different titles, three different topics. So if I wanted to work, if I wanted to do that type of, of training, or if I wanted to be a professional speaker in that industry, then that might be, you know, somebody that's going to be on the top of my list. They're here in my city and they're they're doing what I want to do. So that's a, a good place to start anyway. If you can if you type in a few of those things to Google or LinkedIn and come up with a short list of different companies that you could go out and speak to, uh, it will it, it could quicken your your search results anyway. Now, once you get the companies, once you figure out what companies that you want to market yourself to, you got to do the research. So step two is do the research. You, you'll most likely only get one shot <laughs> to get your foot in the door. I mean, the, the, these, like I said, these positions are not very common. So you want to make that shot that you get count. 
So I would when you when you look up the name of that company in the news, you want to look up the name of that company in LinkedIn, you want to look up all of their social media accounts, you know, see if you can find any information about their leadership and the decision makers. You know, LinkedIn is really good for this for this particular part. In addition to that, you might want to type in the phrase, type this into Google, type in become an instructor for and then put the the company down. Most likely it's not going to be that easy, but every once in a while they'll have someplace, you know, deep, buried deep within their about us page that kind of shows careers or something like that. How to how to get your foot in the door. Most of the time they're not going to put this prominently on the, the first page of their website. So it's one of those things. But if you do a Google search for it or do a search on their website, you know, sometimes you can find it. Um, most likely it's not going to be that easy, though, just so, just so you know. So step number three is. Once you once you've kind of done a little bit of research, you find a little bit more about the organization and how it's structured and and you can you can start finding out if this is a really good potential company for you to to hit your wagon to. And one of the best ways to to do that is to go back to LinkedIn and look for either a current or in a lot of cases, a past instructor or a past speaker for this company. Those typically work really best. So if you go to LinkedIn and type in instructor four, and then you put the company's name in quotation marks in their search, in the search bar on LinkedIn, there's a good chance you're going to find at least one, you know, uh, maybe even quite a few people that are professional speakers, either currently for the company or are past speakers for that company. And if you contact those people directly, contact the past speakers, especially a lot of times the people that have worked for the company in the past, but don't work for them anymore, they're going to be a whole lot more honest about what it's like to work for that organization. They'll, they'll say, oh my God, it was great. It was awesome, but I've moved on and I found something even better, you know, that kind of thing. So, or they're going to say, oh my gosh, that person that I worked for was just such a jerk and they're so disorganized and they don't pay very well and stuff like that. So you'll, you'll get the real scoop on how good the company is based on talking to a few folks that, that don't work for them anymore. If you have to, you know, kind of focus that you can call some of the people that actually work there um, currently. And, and that can be helpful as well. So you can either connect with them on LinkedIn or a lot of times if they're still working for the organization, you can call their main number for that city and ask for that specific person. And you might be able to get, get in contact with them. So anyway, those are, that, that's just, again, we're just at this point, we're just getting research. We're not, we haven't actually made contact with them yet. So those first few steps are just kind of getting the research to find out what to do and, and how to do it. Um, the number four, tip number four, the fourth step is that once you know how to get in, once you've kind of done the research and you know how to get in, you know who you're going to talk to, you know who the executive is, you know who who's making the buying decision or the hiring decisions anyway, and all that kind of stuff. You you really want to work on your why. <laughs> why on earth would you be a good fit for this organization? So before you contact the company, come up with a few reasons why the company would want to hire you as a speaker for them. If you don't have an answer to that question, don't bother contacting them because you are totally wasting your time and their time and they won't appreciate it. But if you can come up with at least one and in a lot of cases, you know, two or three different answers to that question, then uh, you can then you, you've got a really good job of getting your foot in the door and, and getting the per, getting the person who's making that that hiring decision to, to communicate with you or speak with you. Um, by the way, this is not. 
you don't have to overthink this. Sometimes it's really simple. Like for instance, in 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 my industry and in, at the Leaders Institute anyway, in my company, an instructor in a new city allows us to expand our reach into that city. So if we don't currently have an instructor located in the city where you are, and and you called me and said, hey, I'm, I want to look at becoming an instructor, then a lot of times I'll talk to you right away because I know if I get an instructor in a big city. I now have a, a distinct advantage because now I've got somebody local that can go in and talk to our clients and work with our clients individually without having travel fees and stuff like that. So so sometimes it's just as simple as that. That is that is definitely an advantage to a, a lot of the companies that you might be working with or, or applying to anyway. Uh, but um, there are other things, though, as well. So like if you have an, an expertise in a certain industry that the the company is not yet entrenched in, then that can be an advantage. I had a woman contact me a couple of years ago um, and she before she worked for me, she was a trainer for a major law firm. And um, you know, we, we just so you know, we, we teach in a lot of different industries, but for some reason, in fact, we, we teach in a lot of professional industries. So we do a ton of public speaking classes for CPAs, for engineers, for other types of professional organizations. But for some reason, we had never up until the time that that this woman, Susan, started contracting with us or working with us, we never really kind of tapped into the the market of presenting to attorneys or teaching attorney attorneys how to, to how to present better. But that was her expertise. And so when she came on board, she was able to get us into an entirely new industry. And by the way, um, some of you, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might recall me doing an inter- interview with Susan. It was a, a, a podcast called, Pre- called Presentation Secrets for Attorneys. So and if you if you can actually go back and listen to her, she's got some great information about that specific industry. So so anyway, but the, the point is, is that before you make that first contact, you want to have a good answer that explains to the person that you're talking to why you're going to be a good fit for them or how you're going to help that person do, do their job better. And if you if you can answer that, it may, it's going to be a whole lot easier. Uh, so tip number five or the fifth step is you want to try to connect with the decision maker directly. <laughs> for instance, if you call my company's 800 number and you just ask for a job, you're going to end up in some dead end voicemail somewhere. I guarantee it. You know, they, we've, you know they, we get those phone calls all the time. And if you haven't taken the time to actually, I mean, for God's sakes, I am about the easiest person on the face of the earth to know that I run fearless presentations in the Leaders Institute. If you don't know who I am when you make that phone call, you do not need to be working for this organization. So so um, interestingly, though, if somebody calls the 800 number and they just ask to speak with me, they may not get me directly. I might be traveling or something like that. But if they leave me a voicemail, I, I answer almost all of my voicemails. I mean, I do. I mean, I, it's, it's just something that that's how I started the, my career. And, and I do. I, I, it's very rare that somebody is going to call me and I don't reply to them. And I think a lot of people are that way. I mean, obviously the busier we busier we get, the more difficult that is, but especially if you are if you're a person that can help me, if you happen to be a professional speaker and and you have an answer to that question of how you can help me and you leave that on my voicemail, there's a good chance I'll probably call you back. And I think a lot of people that are in my industry will will do that. So if you're if you're contacting one of these other companies, there there's a good chance that if you get to the person who's making the buying decision or the hiring decision, there's a good chance that they'll they'll call call you back or respond back to you. Um, 
by the way, in, in, in today's world, it's a whole lot easier. I prefer the phone call just because I'm, I'm old school. I'm old, basically, but I'm old school, too. You know, I like that personal contact. I think I can tell more by speaking with somebody personally than what I can from an email or from a from a tweet or from even from their social media and stuff like that, because we can I can ask them questions. They can ask me questions. And to me, it's more like a, a mini interview if, if somebody calls me. But in today's world, there's a ton of different ways that you can contact this this person who's making the hiring decision before you, um, without knowing the person personally. So like, for instance, I personally, I have a, I have a Twitter account. You can tweet me directly. You can direct DM me. You can DM me on Twitter. You can DM me on LinkedIn. You can DM me on through our, through our Facebook pages and stuff like that. If you, if you direct message me, a lot of times I'll, I'll respond. You probably won't get it for me personally. You probably not can get as good a response as if you, if you call me, but, um, but they're different, different, um, executives or different hire, hiring managers are going to have different ways that they like to communicate. And so if you, if you go through multiple channels like that, there's a good chance that you'll probably get a pretty good response from at least one of those anyway. So once you make that first contact with the, the, the hiring manager or the the person who's making that hiring decision, uh, the sixth step is to send a bio and a video. You have to send them both, a bio and a video. Now, just so you know, never, 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 ever, never, ever, never, ever send a resume if you want a professional speaking position. People who are professional speakers do not create resumes. They do not send resumes. They basically send, professional speakers have biographies. It's something, it seems very similar, but it's not. A biography is going to be totally different. A biography is going to have, most of the time it's going to have a headshot of that person on there. Plus it's going to have, a lot of times it'll have uh, photographs of the person in action speaking or consulting or something like that. They're gonna, there's going to be some some images on there that that give the person who's making that bi- that that hiring decision a better idea of of who the person is, and then just a short biography of what their expertise is. And in that biography, I would make it really customized for the person that you're sending it to. I would I would put in there those things that you can add to that person's company. So those those advantages that we talked about before, those are things that you definitely want to put in that that biography. Send those out right away. Don't wait. And then immediately after you you um, get that first interview, it's a good idea to send a thank you note. So because once once you've kind of been interviewed, you want to send something personal to that person, like a thank you note on a card. Um, now you can do it via LinkedIn. You can do it by email. But I find that it it's typically means a lot more if you send it to if you send send them something physical, something in the old postal mail or or uh, if you really want to make a make a, um, a, a good impression, send it overnight it via FedEx or something like that. That will give, make a much better first impression on you. In fact, that's actually how I got my first job as a professional speaker was because I sent a thank you note. I, I when I the 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 woman that kind of brought me into the industry, the one who taught me how to be a speaker, the one who taught me how to how, what the industry was like. I had actually I ended up meeting with her at a at a coffee shop. She was when I, I called her out of the blue. 
that was back in the days of phone books and, and called her out of the blue and, and I said, Hey, I, I'm, I'm really interested in learning more about what you do. And I, I set up a, a, a meeting with her. Actually, she set up a meeting with me to have coffee with me. We kind of set up one of the local coffee shops in Midland, Texas, of all places. And, um, and it was it was a fantastic meeting. I mean, I got so excited. By the time that I got finished with that 45 minute sitting that that I had with her, I was I had my my whole concept of what a career could be had shifted pretty dramatically. Now, I wasn't calling her. I didn't try to set up an appointment to to get her to hire me. I was just interested in what she was doing because I I, I thought it was was interesting. I thought it was something different than what other people were. And so I was peppering her with questions. She was peppering me with questions and, and it was, and, and I got to know her pretty well during that, that few minutes. And, and I kept in touch with her. I, I, I sent her a thank you card right after we, right after we, we left the, the coffee shop and she probably got it the next day because it's, you know, like one business day delivery. And, uh, and I didn't really think much about that until after I'd, after I'd changed careers, I'd gone into sales and, and I really, I kept thinking more about that for like the next year and a half about how interesting that, that industry was, the training industry and how much fun that might be to get in. And so out of the blue, I called her about a year and a half later and asked if, if she needed any help. And we set up another appointment and she didn't hire me right away. It was about six months later that she actually ended up hiring me to, to come on board as, as one of her staff. But I think I'd worked with her for almost a year before she brought up to me the reason why she hired me. And it wasn't because I'd followed up with her a year later. She brought out that card. She still had that thank you card that I'd sent to her a year and a half prior to that. And she said, you know, she said, this is what I remembered about you that very first day. She said, I meet with a lot of people. You know, sometimes I'll meet with as many as seven to 10 people a week. And you were the first person ever to send a thank you note for me meeting with you. And I thought that was kind of unique and different. So I kept it. And uh, and and she said that was the main reason why she hired me when when she kind of brought me into the career. So those little things that you do that most people don't do, they're the things that really set you apart. So so kind of keep that in mind. Now, this is the big one. The last the last step, this is step number eight in getting one of these jobs, getting one of these positions is you have to follow up. Keep in mind that the person that you're inter- interviewing with is really, really busy. They have a ton of things that they're doing, and there's a good chance that 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 meeting that they had with you, whether that was on the phone or in person, was kind of an interruption to their day. And as soon as you left, they had 15 things that stacked up that that they had to jump back on, and they forgot all about you within a day. <laughs> so I mean, it happens because I, I, it happens to me. I'll, I'll get I'll get really excited about possibly hiring somebody, and then get distracted and you know be doing something else for a couple of days and and forget all about that person. A month later, I'm going, oh my god, I forgot I was supposed to send an email to that person inviting her to one of our classes or something, and and forgot to do it. So that it happens. These people are busy, so you definitely want to follow up. I would encourage you. I would say about a week or so after you interview with that person. You want to pick up the phone and call the person and 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 see what the status is. You want to say, um, ask if you're still being considered. And if you are, then, you know, what what could you do to to progress this forward to get what's the next step? What should you be doing? And and a lot of time and a lot of times you'll have to kind of follow up a week after that and a week after that and a week after that. The persistence is really one of the, the most important things. I've had people that have requested that uh, to, to become an instructor for the Leaders Institute or Fearless Presentations. 
And it just so happened that at the time that they requested information, they, they requested the position, we just didn't have an opening. We already had two or three people. Like, for instance, right now, we've got a couple of people in, in Chicago. We've got three people here in Dallas. So if somebody in Dallas calls me and says, hey, you know, I want to be an instructor for you, I, I don't have a position for them. But um, from time to time, things things change. I've had I've had situations where somebody called me, you know, a year after they uh, as a as a follow up. And um, and a year later, the, the instructor that we had has now moved on and now we need help. And I'd forgotten all about speaking to somebody in that in that particular city that they're in. So so those follow ups can be can be very, very important if you want to get one of these get, get one of these positions at one of these big companies. Um, so if you really want to be hired by one of these companies, the steps that we're talking about will really, really help you a lot. In, in, in fact, I'd wager that they're they're practically foolproof. If you do every single one of these things, don't skip any of the steps. It's it's pretty much foolproof. Do your research. Come up with a way that that hiring you will help this company, and then make personal contact with the person that's making the the hiring decision and then follow up. If you do all those things, they're going to love you and they're likely going to hire you. So hopefully that's helpful. If you want to be, if you want to make a career out of speaking, that's a, this is a, a fantastic way to do it. So remember the pros and cons and follow that step-by-step process and you'll get one of those speaking careers if you're really good at this. So thanks for listening to the podcast this week. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.